You're listening to the podcast for Gloucester Evangelical Presbyterian Church, a church in Gloucester, England. is from Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, reading from verse 17 through to 24. And this uh, really is the the second half of um, a longer section. Uh, The Lord Jesus has sent out the 72 um, with authority and power to um, proclaim the kingdom and to cast out demons and they return. They've faced rejection, a mixture of rejection and welcome, but here now they return with uh, their report. So reading from verse 17, the 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. In that same hour, He rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father or who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then turning to the disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see, for I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Well, may God bless the reading and the preaching of his word to us this morning. Well, when you look out at the world and consider what is going on all around us, um, I wonder what you think. I wonder whether when you look to the future, whether you look forward with hope and expectation and optimism for the kingdom of God, or whether you look to the future with fear and pessimism, considering all that is going on around us in the world. Well, in this passage, we see that the Lord Jesus looks ahead and he looks up with great joy. He rejoices, he rejoices in the downfall of Satan. There is great joy running through this whole passage, and we are meant to share in that joy, even in the midst of trouble and difficulty and rejection and persecution and everything else, to have this great confidence ultimately that the Lord Jesus Christ reigns, that he is the one 
who is on the throne. So we're going to look at this passage. It splits uh, very neatly into two sections. First, we're going to look at verse 17 to 20, uh, where we see Jesus rejoicing in the, in the downfall of Satan. I saw Satan fall like lightning out of heaven. And actually that verse, um, as, I, as I was sort of reading through it myself, I was spending most of the sermon on that verse, actually. Um, I may need to come back to, to fill in some of the other bits, which I, I have to uh, skip over a bit more quickly. But that, that's that first little section. Um, Jesus is rejoicing in the coming downfall of Satan. But then secondly, this, this second section, 21 through to uh, verse 24, we see Jesus rejoicing that his identity has been revealed, made known to, uh, to his disciples, to the humble, to the, not to the wise, not to the intelligent, but to these humble dis- disciples. So these two, these two halves sort of fit, fit together. So from verse 17, we find that uh, the 72 return with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And we've seen that that is the, a characteristic way that Jesus is addressed in Luke's gospel as the Lord, right? as the one who has authority. Um, and that is what was the, the promise of, of Gabriel to, to, to Mary, that, that he would be uh, the, the Lord and the son of the most high. And so they address with Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And notice that uh, they're saying it's in the name of Jesus, in the authority of Jesus. So the disciples have not just discovered some hitherto unfound or unknown talent of exorcism. Um, it is all in the authority, in the name of Jesus. This all points to the great authority of Christ over all things. Um, and Jesus, they, they come to him and they're rejoicing in this. And he says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. So Jesus sees what is happening is not just uh, the random exorcism of the odd demon that is just about at that time. He, he doesn't see that you know, the disciples have been on their travels and they've had some success in, in exorcism he sees that the whole picture, they've been out there sort of doing this hand-to-hand or in, in the tr- fighting in the trenches, as it were, with these individual cities and towns that they're going to. Um, and Jesus takes a step. He sees the whole campaign. He sees the whole war. He sees the fall of Satan's kingdom. So he, it's an argument from the part to the whole. Uh, there is this uh, change. Something has happened that, that he sees here, the downfall of Satan's kingdom. And so what is Jesus talking about? Is he talking about an event which happened uh, way back in the past, uh, perhaps soon after the creation of the world? I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven back in the beginning. Um, well, the verb form here is it's actually an imperfect, in an imperfect verb form. So it's literally something like, I am seeing Satan fall like lightning. So he's, he's saying not so much something happened in the past, but the, what he's seeing here in front of him speaks to the actual downfall of 
Satan. And what I'm going to hopefully argue or show that he's talking about something which is going to be fulfilled in and through his ministry, his life, but supremely through his death, his resurrection and his ascension is bringing about the complete ruin, the complete downfall of Satan. So I want to spend some time just thinking about that. So um, in Luke's gospel, we do see uh, that there is a, a cosmic contest between uh, Jesus and Satan. Now, often this, this sort of lies in the background. We find that there are other, um, other enemies and, and other things are on the stage. But sometimes this, this contest, which is in the background, very much comes into the foreground. So we see that... Um, particularly in the, uh, the, the narrative of the temptation of Christ in Luke chapter 4, verses 5 to 8. So you remember the context there. Jesus has, has been gone out into the wilderness, and there's the temptation of the Lord Jesus as the, uh, the second Adam, the, the, the Son of God. Uh, would he give way to temptation in the way that Adam gave way to temptation. It's that sort of presentation as Jesus, as the, the, the new Israel, who would stand firm where Israel failed. And we have this section where, where the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. This is um, chapter 4, verses 5. Uh, in a moment of time, and said to him, to you, I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I will give it to whom I will. So here is the words of Satan. He's, he's claiming or he's saying that he is in a place of authority over the kingdoms, over the nations of the world, and that he's going to share it with Jesus or give that authority to Jesus if you then will worship me. It will all be yours. Um, so he's offering Jesus this shortcut, this pathway to glory and a kingdom and power. If only he will uh, come under, as it were, the, the, the throne and the rule of Satan. But verse 8, Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and only him you shall serve. So Jesus has determined he's going to take the, not the shortcut to glory, but the long road to, to, to suffering and death upon uh, the cross. He is the, the obedient son of God, the one who will worship God. Uh, but it's interesting, we find that um, Satan here is, is presented as having authority over the kingdoms of the world. Now his name, Satan, means the, well, the accuser, sometimes called the Satan, so how, does he, how is it that he has authority? Well, it's because his accusations uh, have, um, are, are true, isn't it? When he says that the, the, the human race is sinful and guilty and wicked, those accusations uh, are, uh, are, are true. That in, in Adam, we are sinful and wicked, and those accusations are true. So there is that authority that Satan has. But, so, but we find that, that Jesus has come to actually break apart the power of Satan's rule, Satan's kingdom. So um, 
Christ, through his death, burial, and resurrection, has disarmed and conquered uh, all the powers of evil. He's disarmed the power of Satan. So Colossians 2, 13 to 15 speaks of uh, uh, that God cancelled the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and the authority and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. So this speaks of uh, the defeat of rulers and authorities, the defeat of Satan through Christ and through the cross, since Christ died to bear the punishment for our sins that we might be completely forgiven. So Satan accuses us of guilt and sin, and we can say, well, would I look and see him there who made an end of all my sin, that Christ died for my sins, and we are delivered, we are set free. And so um, in, the, in Luke's gospel, we find um, there are, there's this cosmic fight in the background. In the foreground, there are many enemies. There is uh, the tyranny of Caesar in, in Rome, the tyranny of Herod. There is sickness. There is all, all sorts of things in the, in the foreground. There is oppression. But there is a throne behind the thrones. So there are these spiritual powers and authorities behind those thrones. And so when, um, when Zechariah, in, in his so- the song of Zechariah, says that, speak- speaking of Christ, saying that he's come to deliver you from your enemies and the hand of those who hate you, ultimately he's not just speaking of the power of Rome or the power of Herod or a foreign occupation. He's ultimately speaking of uh, the power of darkness, <laughs> as it were. Um, and so we speak of, of Christ, and I've mentioned this before, that, that, that Luke makes much of Christ coming to, to deliver us in this, this great exodus. Remember 9, 9.51, that, that Jesus is coming to bring about this exodus, this deliverance. Well, who is the Pharaoh from whom we are delivered, uh, or from whom Christ delivers his people? Well, it's not ultimately Caesar, it is, it is Satan. So he is coming to deliver his people up out of bondage, out of slavery. And he does that through his death uh, and resurrection and ascension. And so when, he, when Jesus is saying, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven, this is about the defeat of Satan. But ultimately, through Luke's gospel, we also see the victory and the ascension of the Son of Man, of Jesus. Satan is cast down. Jesus will be raised up. And so um, so Daniel 7 is a text which speaks, a famous text which speaks of the Son of Man, and it's speaking about the ascension of Jesus Christ to the right hand of the majesty of God. So I'll just read a few verses, or a couple of verses from that. So Daniel 7.13, Daniel says, I saw in the night visions... And behold, with the clouds of heaven, that means in the presence of God, there came one like a son of man. So here we are, uh, the, the Lord Jesus, the son of man, the second Adam. He came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him, i.e. to the son of man, to Jesus, was given 
dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. So, you see, Satan had offered Christ all the kingdoms of the world, um, but Christ died and rose, disarmed Satan, ascended upon high, and all authority and power in heaven and earth is given to the Lord Jesus Christ. So there is this connection in the scriptures, in Luke's gospel, in the New Testament, between the ascension of the Son of Man into the heavenly courtroom, into the throne room, and the expulsion of Satan from the heavenly places. Um, and so um, we see, coming back to the text, he sees uh, these little exorcisms, an example of the, as it were, the big exorcism of Satan being cast out of heaven. And we find this, you find some, uh, this again in, in different languages in, in John's Gospel and in uh, the book of Revelation. And so John 12, 31 to 32, we read these words. Uh, it says, now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, so the ruler of this world refers to Satan, and I, this is Jesus speaking, I, when I'm lifted up, death, burial, resurrection, ascension, when I'm lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. And a sort of parallel verse from that would be Revelation chapter 12. So we're used to reading Luke and Acts next to each other, and we see the, the, the same author and there's much correspondence. Well, we need to get used to reading John's Gospel and the book of Revelation together. There's much overlap and, and sort of parallels between these and the same author. But Revelation 12 says this, uh, And the great dragon, Satan, was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses the night and day before our God. So you see that? The, the, the casting out of Satan and the raising up of Christ to the place of all authority and power and glory at the right hand of God. Uh, people have sort of said, well, you read John's Gospel, there's, there are no exorcisms in there. And they think, well, why are there no exorcisms in John's Gospel? Well, others have said, well, actually, there is one big exorcism of Satan. And so here we see uh, the fall of Satan um, uh, that Jesus says in, in that verse. And then he speaks, verse 19, of the, just the, the victory and the authority um, that his disciples have, that this is a victory that we, uh, that his disciples share. Behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions, scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Speaks of the ultimate victory over Satan and all his works, which is promised to every child of God. And verse 20, um, he gives a, a, Jesus gives a, a gentle corrective here to his disciples, saying, Do not rejoice in this, the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names 
are written in heaven. And so, um, so Jesus uh, is, 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 they're not to rejoice in um, that, that the, 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 the um, I lost my train of thought, that the, the, the demons submit to them, but that they have this new relation to God the Father, that their uh, names are written in heaven. And so um, we come to the, the, the second, second part of this, that Jesus rejoices that uh, his uh, identity has been revealed to the disciples. So the, the second paragraph here is tightly connected to the first paragraph. Now, the connection is quite obvious. If you look at verse 21, he's saying, in that same hour. He rejoiced. So there's this, it's the same time frame. And there's this note of rejoice, again, this theme of joy. And he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. Here is the Spirit-filled Messiah. And he prays. He says, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things from the wise and the understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So Jesus addresses God here as Father five times. He, he addresses him, refers to himself as the Son three times. And he is doing this in the power of the Holy Spirit. So we have this amazing Trinitarian prayer here in the middle of Luke's gospel. And theologians, they sometimes refer to this little bit as the, uh, the Johannine thunderbolt coming out of the synoptic blue. You think, well, come again, what, what are you saying? Um, what, what they're saying is that this sounds very much like the bits you get in John's Gospel. John's Gospel is filled with this kind of language of God as Father, God the Son. And then, so scholars have thought, oh, hang on, we're in Luke's Gospel. How is it that we're having this, this Trinitarian language in the middle of Luke's Gospel? And people are surprised at that. Well, they were, this is sort of, scholars of a, of a previous generation and they're surprised of it because they haven't really seen those uh, inner connections or appreciated the inner connections between John's gospel and the synoptics that actually this is the same Jesus and it's the same triune God that is is in them all but it is remarkable here this this trinitarian statement in here in the heart of Luke's gospel and Jesus is um Identity and is speaking of himself uh, as, as the Son of God. And, and um, Luke has already alluded to this theme again and again. Remember Jesus in the temple when he was 12 years old and saying, like, Didn't you know how to be my father's house? So he's been revealed as the Son of God, as the one who knew God uniquely, as uh, God was his father. He was the, the unique Son of God. And so, extraordinary language here in in Luke's gospel. And Jesus is exceedingly joyful that these humble, unnamed uh, disciples, these 72, they're coming back with joy and they, they've just come to see who he is. They're calling him Lord. You know, they, they, they recognize something of the divine authority 
of the Son of God. And they're just rejoicing in this. And we see later on, he, um, or in chapter 11, not that much later on, they're saying, you know, how should we pray? And he says, well, when you pray, say, Father. And so he's teaching his disciples to address him, uh, to address uh, God as Father. And they are brought into this um, knowledge of the true and living God. And Jesus is just delighting that these things have been revealed to, um, revealed to them. And so there, this is part of the reversal theme that we have in uh, Luke's Gospel. Remember in the Magnificat, we have the, the mighty coming down from their thrones and the humble being lifted up. And it's this similar reversal theme. It, the, 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 the truth of the triune God is not revealed to the, the wise and to the intelligent, but it's been known to very ordinary people who hear the glad news of the Lord Jesus and they turn and they rejoice and they come to know God as Father in a very simple way. You know, a child can come to know God as Father and come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's just delightful, this, this joy of the Lord Jesus as little children, these disciples uh, come before him. So we have the great privilege here of discipleship. As soon as we, we gather up these things uh, to, to close, right, what, what, do we, what do we see here? Well, I think one of the things which just comes through so clearly in these parts of, of Luke's gospel and in this chapter is just the, the identity of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is Lord. He is this, this mighty son of God who has come with great authority and with great power. We see his great uh, authority and power. We see uh, that he is the one who has come to destroy all that is evil from the good creation. We see in this passage, we see also, um, as we read Luke's gospel, we see that the desperate reality of, um, of, of evil, that there is this great darkness, that there is this great rejection, that there is this great suffering that, that, there, that there is there. And standing behind these, there are unseen spiritual powers. But actually, wonderfully, we see uh, the defeat of evil, the promised defeat of evil, which comes about uh, decisively through the death, burial, resurrection and ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ, and which then comes about uh, increasingly and incrementally through the mission of the church. So as you read on the book of Acts, you see, well, Satan is still active, there is still evil, there is still darkness, um, and yet we see the unstoppable triumph of the mission of God and of the people of God in the face of and against all that is evil, God's plans and purposes continuing. And so that is the, the great hope that there is um, for, for the believer. And that is the great hope we see here, the Lord Jesus in the midst of great darkness and his pathway will lead through rejection and difficulty and pain and death. But even in the midst of that, he just has this glimpse of the coming victory, this glimpse of what God is going to do. Um, and so uh, as the disciples, they think about them, they, they go out into the, the world of the Roman Empire and think of all the desperate evil and corruption and darkness which is surrounded them in, in the Roman Empire. How is it that they can have such joy and hope 
even in the face of that, even in the face of martyrdom and difficulty, is because they, they see that Satan, that the decisive victory is, has been won by Christ, that Christ is on the throne, he's risen and exalted upon high, and he reigns and rules and will rule until all enemies have finally been put under his feet. So they have, even in the midst of darkness and difficulties, they have hope for the progress of the gospel in the world. For they have hope for the kingdoms of the world, that it is not Satan who is on the throne. So I think many people, um, many Christians, many evangelical Christians, are very pessimistic about the future of our world. They have a, have a basic view which sort of says, well, basically Satan is on the throne and Jesus is trying to rescue a few people uh, for, for heaven and then and ultimately the world's going to hell and then a few people will uh, escape on the last day and sort of be helicoptered out of the wreck. Well, that is not the biblical view at all, is it? It is that the Lord Jesus Christ is on the throne. All authority in heaven and upon earth are given to him, and he commands his church, go make disciples of the nations, for he has authority over the nations. And so there is this great, note as we read Luke's gospel, we see he is Lord, he is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I think that this, this, these, these verses, and as we consider the Lord Jesus Christ, they should encourage us to be filled with hope, even in the midst of darkness, even as we see great evils around about us, to, just to triumphantly rejoice that our Lord um, died and rose again from the dead and is exalted to the right hand of the majesty on high, to rejoice in Christ. And there is this, this gentle correction that he gives to his disciples that actually, you know, where, should, where should our joy be fixed? It is in our relation to, to, to God. It is in that our names are written in heaven. It should be in our, our knowledge of the triune God. Um, we shouldn't, you know, we will face successes and we will face failures in life and in ministry and in what we're trying to do. Uh, the disciples face rejection, they face difficulty, they face trouble. But in the midst of all those things, Jesus gently directed them that actually their joy should be bound up with the triune God. And that is where our, our, we should fix our hearts and fix our hopes, even as we hope in Christ and even as we anticipate his return in glory and triumph and the ultimate uh, expulsion and defeat of all that is evil when he comes to, to reign and return and re be revealed in glorious majesty and power uh, at his coming. So let us, brothers and sisters, let us rejoice in Christ. Let us hope in him in the midst of darkness and difficulty, whether that's out there or whether that's in our own uh, life and, and situation. Let us uh, trust that our Lord Jesus Christ is risen and reigning. Well, amen. You've been listening to the Sermon Podcast for Gloucester Evangelical Presbyterian Church. You can find us out online at gloucesterpres.co.uk.